Hello, and welcome to Where Am I To Go podcast. Today, before we start the show, I would like to bring up some business things that have kind of been on my mind so that you can know where to get more Where Am I To Go. First off, I'd like to talk about the Facebook page at Where Am I To Go podcast. It's on Facebook, and we've been posting some wonderful pictures of some of the places that we've been and some of the adventures that we've had. Not everything that we go and do is made into a podcast, and so we take pictures at different places and post those pictures so that you guys can enjoy some of the different places we've been. Also, I really am interested in listener feedback. I have an email address at whereamitogopodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is whereamitogopodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear some of the listeners' comments and some of their ideas of places that might be interesting to visit and go and do. Today we are going to be at a museum that I visited probably five or six years ago. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic museum then. We are back today. I hear it's even better. And so we are in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We are with Bob, who owns the Rattlesnake Museum. Imagine a rattlesnake museum. How about that? How about that? <laughs> but Bob's going to take us through. We're going to probably learn more about rattlesnakes and other snakes in general. You still have other snakes here, don't you? Yeah, we do the, the entire reptile thing, but we also touch on some of the other venomous animals, the arachnids and uh, lizards like the Gila monster and so on. Oh, really? So we're oh, going to yeah. see some of those? Oh, yes. Okay, and Bob's excited today because he has been shut down for the past year due to COVID, and he has just been able to start getting back up and running. But he told me that he had gone through and used his COVID time wisely and repainted, redecorated, and done a lot of upgrades to his museum. I can hardly wait to see him. <laughs> but let, let's go ahead and get started here, Bob. Okay. <clears throat> Well, we'll start with, uh, with the first guy you see coming through the door into the museum. This is our big greeter. His name is AJ. AJ. He is an eastern diamondback rattlesnake, the largest species of rattlesnake uh, found in the southeastern part of our country. You wouldn't see them out here in New Mexico. We do have the western diamondback, not to be confused. The eastern diamondback is found in Florida and some of the, the uh, neighboring states down there. He's a big guy, but he's a big teddy bear. He does come out of there when we're cleaning. Uh, he's a little nervous outside of the enclosure. This is some uh, security for the animals. So when they go back in, they calm down and feel better about life. Most of the snakes here at the museum have been born and raised in captivity. Most are from other zoos or from private breeders. Some are rescues. We do go out and pick up snakes that have been injured. Uh, snakes that found their way into somebody's garage, or pet snakes that can't be kept any longer. Okay, so you got a wide range of areas where you get your snakes from. Mm -hmm. Now, do oh, you yeah. travel a long ways to get these snakes? Let's say somebody had a coral snake in California that got in their garage. Would you go pick that one up? or, or? Uh, we, don't, we don't go that far. We have had um, several universities call 
They have done studies using rattlesnakes. When they're finished, they need a home. Uh, we get, get a phone call. They say, could you use this species? And in, in a lot of cases, we can. And in almost every case, university professors have gotten in the car and driven those snakes to New Mexico. And I can only imagine they're getting paid to, to have a free vacation. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. With a snake in the trunk. With a snake in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now this is a pretty good-sized guy. How big is he? He is six feet two inches long wow. now. And he is the, the longest snake, longest rattlesnake at the museum. Is it hard to measure him? Uh, no, uh, we, we can do that. We put, put the head end up into a clear acrylic tube. Okay. Lay them out. It takes two or three of us to, to manage a snake that size for measurement, but we can get a pretty accurate measurement. That measurement, by the way, does not include the rattle at the end of the tail. Oh, okay. And how many rattles does he have? I can't see those. Oh, I Oh, there's know. a herd of them there. It looks like 15 or 20. Well, there's, there's quite a few, but that does not indicate the age of the snake in any way. They get a rattle segment every time they shed their skin. In their first year of life, that can be up to six times. Oh, really? And then as the rattle gets old, it gets brittle and pieces crack, chip, and break off. So you could find a 20-year-old rattlesnake with two segments or a three-year-old rattlesnake with nine segments. So it, it's a little bit confusing, but that's one of those that are urban myths. You cannot tell the age of a rattlesnake by counting those segments. Wow. And so every time, and they and they shed their skins two or three times a year as they get older, or, they, or more than that. It's more frequently when they're young because they're growing. Because they're growing, uh, it's more frequent if they're injured. It helps them to to heal, and uh, when they shed, it also uh, relieves them of any external parasites in the wild. Oh, really? Yeah, there are different well, that's reasons to cool. shed. And it's it's very cool, very cool. Huh? Good to be and, a snake. And and what do you feed him? Uh, Mice or rabbits or a snake that size would laugh at a mouse. Okay, uh, not out loud, but uh, he he can eat a pretty good sized rat, about as big a rat as you've ever seen. Really? Uh huh. So so when people have free guinea pigs on Facebook, you run out and pick them up. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's never happened. Uh, we we do have people bring uh, rats and mice here. We, uh, we can't take in live ones. We get our food for the animals frozen. Really? So we get packages of frozen mice of different sizes, uh, frozen rats of different sizes. On feeding night, we take those out of the freezer, throw them into a bucket of warm water. When they're totally thawed, we uh, set them into the snake's cage, and they know what to do. Smells like a... A rat to them. Do they, do they strike they it and, and, and get it venom? Isn't the venom part of the digestive process? Um, for a wild snake, most of the time when this food goes into the enclosure, uh, the snake does not strike. Uh, but it doesn't take long before they approach it and start to eat it. Once in a while, they'll be uh, surprised by that food hitting, hitting the ground near them, and they might strike. Really? But you're right, the, uh, a venom... Venomous bite does start the digestive process for a venomous snake. Okay, so what happens since they don't have the venom in there for their digestion? Does it does it harm them over the long term? Yeah, as long as they're kept warm, they can digest that food like a non-venomous snake would. Okay. The venom only helps to a certain extent. Okay. 
I did not realize that. I thought you would have to feed the venomous snake. Well, I figured you'd feed them all live no. Uh, food. No. There are many reasons not to feed live food to captive snakes. And uh, I send that out to all the people uh, keeping any kind of pet snake. Don't feed them live food. Uh, if they're not interested or they feel threatened by the food, they, they won't touch it. And mice and rats have been known to take big bites out of snakes, uh, even causing infections and, and death to a snake. Really? I've heard of mice chewing the rattles off a rattlesnake, and he, he doesn't defend himself. He just sh shies away. Really? Mm-hmm. I would never would have thought that. Uh, another big reason we, we wouldn't... Uh, we wouldn't feed live food here. You wouldn't want to be in this building if we had 500 live mice. No. It would smell like a, a farm. Well, actually, I think I'd rather deal with the snakes than what I would the mice. I would, too. I, I'm not a mouse person. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. And so, it, snakes in the wild, will they, will they pick up, a, let's say a, a hawk picked up a gopher and dropped it on the ground and didn't eat it, would the mm -hmm. snake... Would the snake come along and, and pick up that dead animal or would it have to be live for a wild yeah. snake if it smelled fresh enough to the snake he would eat roadkill really yeah yep wow i just yeah. learned something well not that's... that it's hard to teach me things because <laughs> i learn stuff all the time that's why you're here now that's the first snake we've got 75 more to go and i've got to be out of here by three in the morning okay okay so let's okay. let's move this along <laughs> all right we covered a lot more than just the snake though now here's something oh. you don't see every day this snake is shedding its skin where is it uh it's right here people in your podcast are going to go yeah right they're just making oh, that up just came out. no he he's there. shedding his skin he is shedding his skin that's the banded rock rattlesnake. Uh, wow, look at that. I've never seen that happen. Now, that's one of the smaller species of rattlesnake. They don't get much bigger than that. 18 to 24 inches is just about it. And uh, they shed their skin periodically, like we were talking. He just rubbed the skin off his nose. And uh, I don't know if all of it's off his head there, but you can see he's it's pretty start, close. starting to move out of the skin. He's trying to scrape it off. Wow. Their uh, eye caps even shed. If they s scratch their eyes, it's okay. When they shed the next time, they'll uh, have a clear brill, the covering over their eye. Really? They and they have... just kind of crawl out of that skin by rubbing it across the ground? or They do. You'll, uh... They don't have to rub it up against a tree or something like that? or No, he's going to be a little more successful when he <clears throat> finds a rock within his enclosure that he can rub up against. Rubbing against the wall like he is, it's a smooth wall. He's not going to do so well there. But And does that does that hurt them, or does that feel good? Well, I guess you probably don't know. But I, I, yeah, I mean, I never <laughs> He's got a him. smile on his face. I think it feels good. <laughs> I can only imagine it probably does. Huh. Some snakes will stop feeding uh, while they're preparing to shed. It's probably a little uncomfortable, that, that preparation. What they do is secrete a moisture between the old skin on the outside and the new skin uh, underneath, and it helps to separate the two layers. Then a week or two later, uh, this is what happens. They start to move, move out of that skin. Uh, when that moisture is between the old and new layers, their eyes appear cloudy, almost a light blue color, and their colors overall 
um, are not quite so vivid. Right after a shed, the colors are bright, vivid, and it's a great looking snake. This one's having a little little time getting the shed off the right side of his face there. But he's doing pretty good. He's, he's, he's doing made okay. another couple inches while we've been standing here watching him. This is just fascinating. Now, he's not a real big snake. No. So, no. what, 18 inches? Yep, but uh, don't, take, don't take him lightly. They have a pretty hot venom. Uh, a bite from that snake could put you in the hospital. Okay. Couldn't all of them? Well, all of the, if you're bitten by a rattlesnake, I always suggest you, you get to the hospital and have them check it out. They can determine whether or not you've been envenomated. But um, a snake this size has small venom glands and relatively small fangs, but it's a, a hotter venom than even the eastern diamondback. It's a good thing that these are smaller snakes. Okay. And, and they kind of live down they, in, in southern New Mexico, southern southeastern Arizona, and on down into Mexico. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then our next one? Right. There are several different... Uh, species of rock rattlesnakes. This next one is also a New Mexico species and protected in this state, the mottled rock rattlesnake. Actually, very beautiful. What do you mean protected? You can't kill these ones? Can't kill them, you can't catch them, you can't take one home with you. So you get to I'll... see this here and, and probably not anywhere else? Maybe in a zoo. Okay. Mm -hmm. And of but... course they've all got the real diamond shaped heads and the, the rattles on their tail. Right, that and, rattle is is very important. A lot of people look at snakes, small snakes like the, this, with bands instead of the diamond shape that a lot of people would expect right. of a rattlesnake. And uh, it's only the rattle that gives them away as rattlesnakes. This uh, mottled rock rattlesnake, as you can imagine, hides very well in a rocky, rocky environment. Oh, yeah. Are they kind of rare? Is that why they're protected? or In this state, their range is so small that uh, they would be uncommonly seen. Their range is bigger in Texas, and uh, I'm not sure, but I believe they're protected there, too, anyway. Okay. And how, how big do these ones get? Just uh... That's about it. A couple feet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next one. Next one is the black-tailed rattlesnake. One of the prettiest species of rattlesnake, oh. uh, given that name because the tail is black, the tail being the, the section before the rattle. We don't consider the rattle to be part of the tail, just like the length of your finger is not determined by how long your fingernails are. But he's really a bright and vibrant colored snake too, isn't he? Yeah, bright uh, yellow. Uh, their range runs through a, a lot of New Mexico, Arizona, a little bit of Texas, and down into Mexico. Okay. And, and uh, how big do they get? Oh, a big black-tailed rattlesnake may exceed three feet. Okay. So most of these rattlesnakes are really smaller. Or How many different species of rattlesnakes are there? Depends on whose book you read, uh, you know, most recently. But uh, in the 80s, 84 or so. Really? Different rattlesnakes. Mm -hmm. Species and subspecies. Do they yeah. stay in these certain environments because of weather environment or uh, feed? You mean the wild? Yeah, the yeah. wild. Wild counterparts? Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are where they are because of geographical features um, and climate. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. okay. 
And what did they do when you guys had your cold snap back in February? Well, uh, in different parts of the country, uh, rattlesnakes will go underground um, and uh, do the, the reptile version of hibernation, right. get down underground far enough that they're below the freeze line. In New Mexico, that's not too far down, but it does get cold enough that they do go underground. Um, in northern states, they'll go deeper right, and perhaps be down longer. Okay. Uh, the rattlesnakes in our area are emerging this time of year. They'll sit in the sun, sun themselves for a while, warm up, but go back down when the temperatures dro uh, drop in the evening. Okay. But another week or two, they'll be uh, migrating away from their dens in all different directions. Okay. And our next snake is the... This is the timber rattlesnake, probably the most famous and infamous of the rattlesnakes. This is the snake you would see on the early American flags with okay. the slogan, Don't Tread on Me. Uh, the timber rattlesnake is the, the snake that uh, er, early settlers would have come across in the uh, eastern half of the country. Um, they get a little bit bigger. It's not unusual for one to go over four feet, even five feet. Wow. Their venom is pretty potent and with their size and the venom potency they should be respected okay and uh, that, that was kind of a big reason that it was used on the flag we see rattlesnakes depicted on a, a lot of early american flags but not the bald eagle which is our national symbol right a lot of the early americans wanted wanted to use the rattlesnake as our symbol it uh, made sense uh, to describe ourselves as having uh, uh, being somewhat like a rattlesnake where we don't go out looking for trouble, but we will defend ourselves if we need to. And that's uh, how we thought of ourselves. We weren't going to start the fight, but we were sure going to end it. Okay, and, and rattlesnakes for the most part are pretty uh, non-aggressive? Uh, we don't even use that word. At best, they're defensive. You have to go to them to get bitten. Um, people accidentally step on them, and they would would assume they're being attacked by something, and they'll defend themselves. Uh, if you try to catch one or kill one or pick one up, they'll uh, defend themselves in the same way. But if you stand back, give them give them their space, spend some time with them, and take a picture or two, they're they're fine with that, as long as they don't feel threatened. They're fine with you. And what's their striking <clears throat> distance? Three times their body length? Or? No. In general, it's uh, about half their body length. Oh, really? And we always suggest you don't test that. Uh, right. Don't, don't get up there and, and test it out because their strike is fast. Probably faster than you can get out of the way of it. You'll never see a snake charmer using a rattlesnake. It's always a cobra. The cobras have a potent venom, but it's a, a slow strike. Okay. So they're more, uh, more likely to get out of the way of that strike, but not a rattlesnake. Okay. Uh, rattlesnakes belong to a group of snakes known as the vipers and a subgroup known as pit vipers. They've got that pair of heat-sensitive pits in their face. And the pit vipers and true vipers are fast-striking snakes. Okay. Not the kind of snake you want to test. Okay. 
So when you say take pictures, stand back five feet away from a four-foot <clears throat> snake or six foot away from I, a... I'd give it 10 or 15 10 feet. 10 or 15? Just, just to keep it safe. Okay. Wow. And, and do they chase... I've heard rumors of, yeah, I had a rattlesnake chase me. Yeah. Not going to happen? It's not going to happen. Okay. I, I have people tell me that on a fairly regular basis. If it's a 20-year-old, I'll explain to them what the situation was. Uh, you probably turn and ran, uh, just imagining the worst that that snake was on your heels. If it's an 85-year-old guy, I'm not going to try to talk him out of that because he's believed it way too long, <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to change his mind. But, now, are, are some of the other snakes more aggressive that way? I've kind of heard the same thing about water moccasins and yeah. uh, cottonmouths. Maybe those are the same thing. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, no snakes are aggressive towards people. We're not food for them. We're, at, we're dangerous to them. Uh, if we do come in contact one-on-one, uh, -on -one, we're going to win the fight with, with a tool if we're smart. But um, we're not food, so they're not going to approach us. They're not going to chase us. Um, they're smart to do their best to stay away. Okay. Yeah. And how many people get bit in the United States a year? Oh, probably five or 6,000. Well, that's and quite a few. We have maybe five deaths per year in this country. Really? It's a rare thing to die from a, a snake bite. Um, snake bite results in death maybe, maybe one in a thousand times. Really? So, and is that just because the medical profession can take care of it, or is it because they usually don't get the, enough venom to well, kill? Or Yeah, when, when a rattlesnake strikes a person, uh, you could receive what's called a dry bite, where it was a strike and a bite and no venom was injected. In that case, uh, you're perfectly fine. Now, if you don't know one way or the other, I'd say get to the hospital and let them decide how would you decide uh, a dry bite versus a wet bite well i mean if you can if your wits are about you you can uh determine that by the feeling at the bite site you're going to have some tingling or pain or swelling and then you know you've been envenomated now maybe one one quarter of the number of people that are bitten receive that dry bite uh you're one of the lucky ones the other three out of four times you might have received a mild envenomation, um, a moderate, or a severe envenomation. And in most cases, it's, it's not enough to, to kill a human being. Uh, with modern medicine, anti-venom used on snake bites, it almost eliminates the possibility of death. Okay, and if you do get bit by a snake, do you have to identify which particular brand of rattlesnake <laughs> you got bit by, or is the anti-venom kind of across the board? It is across the board. Uh, the anti-venom used on rattlesnakes in this country and copperheads and water moccasins is one and the same. Okay. They call it a polyvalent anti-venom. It's used on multiple species. So if you're bitten by a rattlesnake or a copperhead or a wa water moccasin, they're going to treat you the same way. Uh, I tell people don't bring the venomous snake to the hospital because they're not going to let you in. <laughs> and, uh, and they're going to treat you the same uh, with the same... Uh, medication either way. The only exception is a coral snake, um, and that's a, a very rare bite. Okay. Okay, so now we're moving on to, to some other snakes here. We got a corn snake, it says, and it looks like mm -hmm. he just shed his skin. 
He did shed his skin. We, we always leave a shed in one cage or another so people can see that and the conversation can, can get started. Uh, the corn snake is on exhibit here uh, as we're, we're talking about reptiles as pets. Uh, reptiles, snakes in particular, make real good pets for people, people that don't have a lot of time to spend with their pets. Um, people that are uh, traveling a lot uh, can't have a dog or a cat. They're not there to maintain it. But uh, a pet snake can sit in its enclosure with a nice cool bowl of water for a couple of weeks and it won't bother them a bit. Dang, I've been kind of concerned about somebody breaking into my RV. I'm thinking I might get a snake and put it right at the door, and there that way there go. nobody will come in. We've got stickers in the in the uh, gift shop up here. Actually, that, I have oh. one on the back of a little teardrop <laughs> camper I built. This oh, is uh, rattlesnake transport. <laughs> <laughs> Linda just showed me a rubber snake, and I about jumped through the roof. So anyway, okay. So, and, since we were closed for COVID so long. We had to take the theater area out. The chairs have been moved out. We moved a lot of new enclosures in. So we have, uh, oh, maybe 30 new snakes on exhibit that weren't here uh, wow. prior to COVID. These five here, well, four are examples of those. Uh, lower right is the coach whip snake, probably the fastest moving snake uh, in North America. That guy now, is that one venomous? Not venomous. He's uh, so pretty. He looks fast. like he's, he's covered in copper. Yeah. I mean, he's really bright and shiny like a copper penny. Well, people come in, they tell me, they want to want me to ID a snake. If they don't have a picture, but they tell me it's pink or pinkish or reddish, it's almost always in this area going to be the coach whip snake. They're different colors in different areas. They get big. They can go, go over six feet. Wow. And they move like the wind. Huh. That is cool. Most common snake uh, here in New Mexico and throughout a lot of the country is this bull snake in the west known as a gopher snake and the east a pine snake. And it's a, a common snake. It's pretty good size, a big snake, uh, mouse and rat eater, and best to be left alone to do what they do best. Okay, now Keep the bull snake... In Wyoming, where I'm from, they hiss just like a rattlesnake. If you come up on one, you're going to hear a hiss, but then they've got to take a breath. Right. Whereas the rattlesnake can continue <laughs> the rattle or the rattle sound going all the way through, but that, it's true. almost indistinguishable between the two yeah. noises. You're, you're right about that. And in addition to that, they shake their tail, the same nervous habit that the rattlesnake has. So people see that tail going and they hear that hissing sound and get very confused. And these ones here are quite a bit bigger than... We have tim, uh, uh, prairie rattlers up there. Right. And they don't get very big, but these bull snakes can get quite large. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hissing and all that, the, the two easiest ways that I know of to identify them is when they're twitching that tail, you look at it and see if it's pointed versus has rattles. And then the right. other thing is their heads are round versus triangular shape. Well, they do, do have a different shape. Um, although when a, a bull snake is agitated, sometimes that head flattens out and that can even appear to be the shape of some of the rattlesnakes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, best thing to look for is that rattle. Okay. Or become familiar with the snakes in your area. To someone like me, a bull snake and a rattlesnake don't look anything alike. Right. But, uh, to somebody that doesn't know their snakes, they're one and the same.
It's, it's pretty hard to see a snake when you're running the other way as fast as you can to get on top of something like a car or a tree or or maybe a tall building if it's nearby. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> you're not seeing the same thing I see. So Ooh. here at the museum, in addition to the collection of live animals, uh, reptiles, the snakes, the turtles, lizards, uh, some amphibians, some arachnids, we have a large collection of artwork and artifacts that help uh, help tell the reptile story and help bring it closer to our hearts, like this memorial uh, of Steve Irwin's. We put this in several years ago, and quite a few of our visitors have sent things in, uh, some little trinket or toy that they had, Steve Irwin-related, and we've added those to the collection. That is a big collection, too. That's uh, and that's not all of it. Huh. Um, you got yes. a lunchbox and a couple of magazines, some little uh, cars like what he drove. Well, a helicopter and lots of dolls. Dolls. Uh, this pictures, is, a signed picture even. Uh, quite a few signet signatures here. Uh, there was a, a series of trading cards that kids could collect, and the most important one ones were these two with their signatures on them. We have Terry Irwin's shirt, work shirt, from their early days together when Australia Zoo was known as Queensland Reptile Park, started okay. by Steve's dad. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. And then you've got several skulls in here, too, like a hippopotamus and a... That's part of a future exhibit. A lot of people already know, but uh, hippo kills more people in Africa than venomous snakes do. Really? So it's a... A more dangerous animal and fast moving. A lot of people don't know that. I, I wouldn't think that they were real fast, but I'll take your word for it. Okay. <laughs> Haven't had one chase me yet. <laughs> uh, this next snake is a rescue snake. It was somebody's pet that could no longer be kept. Uh, the green tree python. I, I love bringing people over here. People that say snakes are ugly. They don't deserve to live. And they look at something like that and takes them back. He's cool. He's really bright. He's, he's kind of a bright green with a bright yellow belly. And he's just kind of hanging upside down off of a branch. Spends all of his time up off the ground. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, he's a tree snake. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that explains it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and then the uh, Mojave rattlesnake here is a potently venomous snake. It's, it's venom is a little, little more dangerous than a lot of rattlesnakes. It not only has the hematoxin that all rattlesnakes have that breaks down tissues, causes pain and swelling, it also has a uh, neurotoxin, like the timber rattlesnake, like the rock rattlesnakes we've already seen. So uh, you, you might have uh, symptoms different from other rattlesnake bites. Um, I, I can tell you from personal experience that that can include a, a weird sensation like electricity running through your body. How um, can you tell me that? How can I tell you that? <laughs> How many times have you been bit? <laughs> Just once. And Just uh, once? That's in a lifetime of doing this. I, I uh, plan on that being the one and only time. Do you take anti-venom just to build up your immunity? No. Is, is that a something that, that snake handlers a lot of times yeah, do? Yeah, there are people in this country that are a whole lot crazier than I am. They're milking the snakes or collecting venom from the snakes to be used in medical research and the creation of anti-venom used for snake bite. And those people have to hold the snakes. They're hands-on all the time. 
and are bitten on a fairly regular basis. There are a few of them that inject themselves with small amounts of venom every week and in order to, what they say, keep their tolerance to the bites up. There was one gentleman that lived to be 100 years old. He did that all his life. Really? And prov provided a whole lot of venom to, to, uh, to the research efforts. Uh, different diseases include things like cancer, AIDS, uh, pain, uh, covers uh, pain symptoms. And um, he injected himself on a regular basis. He always said, if I live to be 100 years old, I'll feel that uh, some component of the venoms that I'm injecting got me there. And he sure enough did live to be 100. Wow. So who knows? There, there may be something that we'll discover down the road, something in snake venoms that'll help us live longer lives. Huh. And healthier lives. He said he never had a cold or the flu. Really? Um, that is interesting. Maybe that'll be the permanent care for COVID. Okay, now we got a red diamond rattlesnake. Yeah, the red diamond rattlesnake lives in southwestern California, down into Mexico. Not to be confused with a western diamondback. Uh, it's just red diamond rattlesnake. And it's a pretty snake. It's got the black and white banded tail like a western diamondback. Yeah, at first I thought maybe he was shedding, but... No, he's not. No, isn't that a, an amazing tail? It is. It's Vivid. black and white, very black and white, and the rest of the snake is kind of a yellowish color, a reddish color. Yeah, red, red diamond. Kind of a, wow. a light brick color. That is case. so cool. Uh, we have a large collection of movie posters that are uh, reptile-related. <laughs> this is one of my favorites, Beyond Bengal. That is a dramatic pose. That's from uh, 1934, so that's a pretty early one. If you get a chance, take a look at this picture on Google. It's Harry Schneck, Beyond Bengal, and it's got a thousand pounds of galvanized muscle. <laughs> a guy's all wrapped around with a snake. <laughs> it's a pretty cool with, picture. With wild eyes. <laughs> um, this is a, an original Aboriginal painting from Australia. A lot of the paintings do include images of, of reptiles, including snakes, lizards, and turtles. That was donated by uh, a lady in Australia who has a, a fondness for rattlesnakes and has kept in contact with us for, for 20 years now. Wow. And uh, she bought this from the artist and sent it on to add to the art collection. Beautiful. And then you've got, you've got a lot of different uh, snake figurines made out of jade or... Uh, different stones, pipe stone. These are all Native American, the, the stone-carved fetishes uh, of different animals. Uh, here at the museum, of course, all those animals are reptiles and amphibians. Uh, Kachina collection, some of the snake dancers and uh, other reptile-related Kachinas. You'll see a large collection of those in the next room. Oh, cool. And this here's just a little guy. This is one of the smallest rattlesnakes out there. He won't get much bigger than that. Really? And he's probably at about 13, 14 inches. That is the desert Massasauga rattlesnake, another New Mexico species. Uh, can be confused with a, a baby prairie rattlesnake. Okay. Yeah. He's just, he's just a cute little thing. Uh, he you almost sure want to hold him, huh? Uh, almost. <laughs> <laughs> 
just short of almost. <laughs> uh, one of his cousins is this dusky pygmy rattlesnake that would be found. Oh, he's in, a pretty snake. In the he? east, yep. You can see by the range map here that uh, most of his range is in Florida. But uh, southern Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi are also part of the range. Huh. He's really pretty. Yeah, he's, he's really dark colored, but his, his spots are really dark black, and, and the rest of him is kind of a root beer brown. Yeah, pretty snake. He is. Uh, behind you, we, we don't keep live horned lizards here, horny toads to those of us a little bit over 30 years old. But this is uh, an exhibit of sculptures, hand-painted sculptures, of each of the 14 different species of horned lizard. 14 different species yeah. of horny toads. Here again, a lot of people think uh, there's only one, but that's not the case. Some of them are pretty good size. That one there is six inches long. That's the largest of the, the horned lizards. Wow. Yeah, they're kind of hard to find, aren't they? I mean, they're hard we to live see. in Wyoming, and, and I find one a year, it seems. I mm -hmm. see a horny toad running someplace. And they mostly eat uh, ants. They do. Right? Uh -huh. They're very cryptic. If they're not moving, you could easily miss it. You could walk right by them. They're just so cool looking. They're, they're prehistoric. They are amazing. If you could, if you could grow them a hundred times the size that they are, you'd have dinosaurs. You'd have uh, triceratops. The, there you go. All yeah, over again. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really cool looking. There's a salamander here, and I've always wondered, are they poisonous? No, they're not. But a, a lot of the uh, uh, amphibians are, frogs, toads, and some of the newts and so on, uh, do have secretions that, that are poisonous. Off their skin? And, and here we do talk about the difference between poisons and venoms. Venoms are toxins that are injected. Or, or, you know, stinger or fangs, and uh, a poison is something ingested. You either, either drink it or eat it. So right. a dog that takes a bite out of a toxic toad is going to get sick, or die, get sick possibly die, depending on, on so species. So they have secretions on their skin that aren't really good for you? Right. Not this one, but others, Other yes. Other kinds? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Okay, now those secretions that are poison, if, you, if it's on the end of a dart... That would, that would be the same as ingesting, correct? Uh, yeah, well, that, that is a, a toxin from the skin of a, of a toad or frog. Right. And some of those are extremely toxic and, and will kill. Okay, now are there poisonous snakes or are all snakes venomous? There are no, technically there are no poison. Well, I've I, I got to be careful because I... I I uh, believe there's a, a snake out there that if you were to take a, a bite into it, uh, you might be poisoned. Okay. And the sna same snake might turn and bite you, and then you've been envenomated. <laughs> okay. But most, most snakes, uh, the vast majority, uh, if, they are, if, if they have anything, they've got venom, not okay. poison. Not poison. Okay. Yeah. Here, is, it's kind of explained in this exhibit of... Uh, the differences between those we've got uh we've got our toxic our poisonous toad and the venomous snake it's interesting that early on not so recent books were uh titled incorrectly we'll find a book that says poisonous snakes of america yeah that kind of thing okay. down below we talk about poisons uh, other than uh, animal poisons 
a lot of these poison bottles either say that on on there or they've got ribs or little nubs that'll let you know if you grab that bottle that you're holding a bottle of poison. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So that's what the that's what the bottles with all the ribs in them. Uh, now I had heard that that the uh, blue bottles were definitely an indication of a poisonous substance, but I don't know if that's. Uh, I I don't know that to be true, but I I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. And what kind of uh, med- medicines do they use venoms for? Besides just anti-venom. Yeah. Well, there are something like 60 different diseases or, or uh, conditions that are being treated with um, snake or other animal venoms. Uh, some diabetics are given a, a medication derived from Gila monster saliva. Oh, really? It's supposed to be very effective. I've actually talked to some people that have been treated, and they, they think it's a wonder drug. So wow, yeah, that's just amazing. Okay, and you got a you got a desert tortoise here. Yeah, he's she is a, a rescue tortoise. Um, most of our tortoises are not on exhibit quite yet. We have an outdoor enclosure, and it's still a little bit cool, but they'll be out on exhibit real soon. Okay, now I just got through reading something on tortoises. I don't even remember where it was. It says that you don't ever want to pick them up by the side of their shell. Because that hurts them, and uh, not not so much, but um, it it scares them. A wild, a wild turtle uh, might evacuate all the liquid in in their uh, bladder, and that's not good for especially for a desert animal. But that's how they save themselves from, say, a dog that might pick them up. Okay, uh, here behind you too, I uh, wanted to mention. A collection of, of habusaki, the snake wines from from uh, the east. Say what? Snake uh, wine. Snake wine. And if you notice closely, how do you ferment a snake? Well, you put it in a bottle of, of alcohol. Now I've smelled this stuff, and it smells like a decaying snake in a bottle of alcohol. Personally, I wouldn't take a swig, but some people do drink the stuff. And they've got the snakes inside the bottle. They're in the bottle. Wow. The next shelf up are ceramic sake bottles in the shape of snakes. Now, do they use venomous snakes in these, or are they non-venomous? Well, typically, it's a snake called the habu. Okay. Uh, Thus, the the habu sake. Wow. That's got to take some nerve to open up that bottle and think you're going to take a swig out of it, because if that snake comes out and lands in your mouth, that's got to just about put you through the roof. (laughs) I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but <laughs> <laughs> scary thought, huh? <laughs> Here's a, a fun object that um, a lot of people are shocked to find out there there was a sewing machine in the mid-1800s uh, that included a snake in the design of the body of the sewing machine. Can you see that snake? I can. And this is we're talking about a small, it's probably 12 inches, 13 inches long. <laughs> Stands up about eight inches high, and it has a hand crank. So it's an old hand crank sewing machine. Right. This is a but, real sewing machine, though. But the arch that comes on over that, that everybody's familiar with, with the old singers or whatever, is in the shape of a snake coming on across. It's really cool. It is a super neat sewing machine. That's pretty special. Very, it had to take neat. a lot of talent to turn that hand crank and still not run that needle through your finger. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. That is, <clears throat> you've just got so many things in ex- in exhibits mm. uh, besides just the, the reptiles here. We, we can spend a good portion of your night here uh, doing just this. We've got some other snakes here that are mo- mostly non-venomous. The, the one right next to you, the uh, western hognose snake, is technically a venomous snake. It's a rear fanged snake. Its venom is so mild and its temperament is so calm that a lot of kids keep this snake as a pet. And Don't uh, even realize it's venomous? They might not realize, or if they do, they're not so concerned. Huh. Does it have to bite you clear on the back of its mouth because of the right. fangs and, don't and come out? they tend not to bite people. Huh. That's just interesting. That's, and then you've got a couple of other turtles here. You've got... This is the uh, common snapping turtle. That's the one you don't like to swim with. It's the one you don't want to put your finger in their their (laughs) mouth. That is for sure. Uh, Down here we've got some baby box turtles, our local box turtles. Uh, These these are rescues, and uh, we get several dozen of these in every year, and we uh, get them back out there as soon as we can. Okay. Then you got an Arizona black rattlesnake. That's a, a young one of the species. We have you'll see a, a full-grown one in, in the next room. Uh, they, they're much more patterned, vividly patterned, as a young snake, and they lose that pattern and get darker as they age. Wow! Just so cool. The Gila monster. Well, let's get the pronunciation right Uh-oh. there. Gila, Gila monster. monster. Okay, as though it were spelled with an H. Okay. Uh, Gila monster is the only venomous lizard in North America. They're found in far southwestern New Mexico, uh, the southeastern half of Arizona, uh, southwestern Utah, southern Nevada, and a little bit of California and down into Mexico. Okay. Their venom is su- supposed to be exceedingly uh, painful. Uh, not life-threatening, but uh, you almost feel like you, you want, want to, to die. <laughs> okay. Um, th- this Gila monster came to us 30 years ago. She's w- uh, an old lizard. When she bit her previous owner, Uh-oh. and the woman ha- wanted nothing to do with her after that, so she, huh. she brought her down here. So the people keep these things as pets? Some people do. They're, uh, they can be kept with permits. Uh, they're not inexpensive pets, uh, if, you, if you can get one. Huh. And how big do they grow? That's about it. I mean, it. this one's 30 years old, and it's only 14 inches long. Actually, 19 inches long. 19 inches? Yeah. I think the record is only about 22 inches, so not, not much bigger than this. So monster isn't really a, a good definition here. I wouldn't say so. I mean, they're, the uh, again, left alone. They're, they're quite sweet. They lumber along. They're not fast moving, but okay. they will bite if they need to protect themselves. Okay. Yeah. And then we move on into the next area. Yeah, we'll <laughs> stop here real quick because this is this I like is an exhibit this. a lot of people have fun with. Oh yeah, a collection of license plates from around the country wow. with uh, personalized wording. Yeah, names, we got names R A T L R with a snake on the front from Florida A and M University Rattler, 
Michigan, it says S and then Nakes afterwards, N-A-K-E-S. <laughs> Ohio, there's a Snakes, S-N-A-K-E-Z. New York, there's Ven, M, Us. It's all separated out. Uh, Kansas, there's a Got Venom uh, with some uh, G-O-T-V-E-N-M. Turtles. Uh, boy. There's just all kinds of snake bit and viper. <laughs> Slither. <laughs> and hiss. No, uh, 67 Cobra. Okay, now I know what he had. Yeah, right. And it, right. It, it, it's, yeah. Now, a lot of these have come to us in an interesting way. They, they come from zookeepers. Oh. A lot of zookeepers will have uh, personalized plates like this, and when they get a new one, they send it, send it off to us. Um, we're fairly well known across the country f- uh, for our collection of rattlesnakes and memorabilia. And so those plates end up here. A lot of the keepers have been here, so we've talked in advance. Uh, the one license plate down there that says Hiss was on the back of a, a Shelby Cobra that I saw in a, <laughs> in a car show. And I talked to him for quite a while, and I said, if you ever get rid of that plate, I, I've got a home for it. And about two years later, he walked through the door. He says, I, I didn't forget you. Here's my plate. I sold wow. my car, but here's, here's the plate that was on it. That's too cool. Behind you, two more movie posters. A Boris Karloff movie called Snake People. I'm sure that was... Uh, that one's not uh, nearly amazing. as dramatic as the other, but she does have a snake on her neck. Yeah, yeah that's I, I mean, like, biting her on the neck. <laughs> And uh, in the early 50s, Walt Disney did a series of shows called True Life Adventures. Uh, this one, called Prowlers of the Everglades, has quite a dramatic image of a ra- of a, an alligator. Yeah. Looks like you could just about go right down his throat. Uh, I'd say so. Okay, we're going to take a real quick break before we get into this room. And uh, our sponsor is going to tell us a little bit about what makes this podcast happen. And so we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. <laughs> that was a nice break. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty scary uh, uh, how long it was, uh, huh? <laughs> a week and a half, I didn't realize. Now, okay. this is a cool cabinet. This is a great collection. This is a, a one-of-a-kind collection of every Native, America, Native American kachina, in this case, Hopi, Hopi kachina that is reptile-related. Uh, most are snake-related. Uh, on this shelf, we have the turtle kachina, the frog kachina, the lizard kachina, uh, a couple non-reptile, the uh, spider woman kachina, and the bumblebee kachina. Now, they're, all of these kachinas are, are about 12 mm-hmm. inches tall. They're, they're uh, kind of, how, how would you describe mm-hmm. them as far as, they're almost animal-like uh, humans that uh, have different uh, headdresses on them and different costuming. Mm-hmm. Okay, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's what a kachina is, and, and he's got a whole herd of them here. They're uh, yeah, Native American dolls. Now, the, this is mostly Southwest type. Well, Hopi is going to be Southwest. Right. Hopi is, right. is in Arizona. Uh, other big kachina carvers are the Zuni in western New Mexico. Okay. Uh, these are all carved by one carver from... Hopi, who has carved on average one of these each year for the last almost almost 30 years. 
Wow. Um, so it, it's quite a collection. Um, he has told us that uh, the Smithsonian only has four out of these 32 kachinas. Really? So, uh, you know, I hate to say it. Uh, You've got the collection. You, you got to get to work. <laughs> um, or get uh, him to work. Also, according to him, a lot of these have never been carved or are rarely seen. Uh, these two in particular, he says, are so uncommon and so sacred that he can't even divulge their name and can't tell us the first thing about them. So I... Uh, I Sure, glance at them every time I walk by. Oh, yeah. Uh, knowing that I know nothing about them. And what do the Kachinas represent in the Hopi religion or Hopi tradition? Yeah, um, they have different functions. Uh, Kachinas are part, part of ceremonies, and they're, they won't say it this way, that they're humans dressed up. They, they are actual uh, deities, entities that... Uh, act as disciplinarians to the children. Um, sometimes they're clowns. They'll entertain, this kind of thing. Uh, some of the snakes, uh, the snake dancers, are part of a, a rain ceremony, bringing on the rain in the fall. And so they just bring these dolls to these ceremonies? or No. Or they, they personally dress up like this? Uh, again, yes, but that's not the way it's described. These, those people dressed up are not people dressed up. They are the deities. Okay, so so, but okay, uh, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to get my head wrapped around this. So, the medicine man, let's say, puts on the costume of this deity and dances with with their circle or whatever and takes on the emblems of that particular god or that particular being. Right, and there are over 500 different really? genus. Yeah. Wow. This, this guy that's been doing these for us is now um, about 80 years old. Wow. Uh, the last, well, he just did this one for us. Uh, it's got tadpoles in the headdress, so we, right. we had to include that. But the, the last of the snake kachinas that he did was this one. There was an empty space there. We knew it existed. We were waiting. And i uh, tell you, I was on the edge of my seat worried about his health when we had one kachina to go. Um, <laughs> he's a nice guy, so I worried about his health more than I worried about the kachina. But I was sure relieved when he brought that doll in and, and we could finish off the collection. Okay, I understand now better what's what's going on with the kachinas because I've seen different things like this in different uh, Southwest museums, mm -hmm. and never really understood what the significance of the doll is. But the doll's just a, a miniature of what they are actually uh, portraying. Yeah, the dolls were carved and still are carved and given to the children with the story behind that particular doll, and that's how the. The stories are passed on from generation to generation. Okay. Now that that is so cool. The traditional dolls have are carved this way with the hands drawn in as almost part of the, the body. They're they're carved out of one piece of wood, but instead of the arms being out like this, they're they're drawn in, and that way they weren't broken so easily by the kids. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But still, they got big noses and snakes protruding. So I'm sure that there was breaking another. In other ways, too. Yeah. And all of the Kachina carvers um, have their own style. 
but the features of a particular doll are going to be the same from carver right. to carver. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That makes so much more sense. I'm so glad I learned that at a reptile museum because I hadn't learned it at Southwest well, Museum. That's the plan here. You're going to learn a lot about uh, a little about a lot of things. This is another fun collection, the bottle collection, because it's uh, been added to by so many of our visitors. Oh, yeah. We have uh, about 300 different uh, beverages, mostly beer and wine, that have reptiles as part of the label. Uh, Jones Soda is uh, an exception to the beer and wine thing. But you but, got uh, alligators and turtles and... Oh, every, uh, everything has been used. Lizards and all kinds of things on the Jones Soda. But we get people in from all over the country, and they look at this collection, and they go, you don't have our rattlesnake beer. <laughs> so next thing we know, we get a, a bottle of beer in the mail. And uh, this uh, collection of Tuatera beers came from New Zealand, where the Tuatera, uh, a native reptile to that island, and only that, well, two islands, um, a gentleman started a microbrewery there, decided to, to do the Tuatera beer. He knew about our collection somehow and sent one of each. Wow. So we, we've got all of his different uh, beers on exhibit. The bottles are um, embossed with the, the pattern, the scale pattern of the animal going up the neck. That is so cool. That's and then you've got different, uh, you've got Yukon Jack snake bite kit, the <laughs> black sheep of Canadian liquors, uh, <laughs> Yukon Jack snake bite, uh, sweetheart, Mexico tequila with a snake, uh, with his tongue way out, almost looking like he's breathing fire, <laughs> some Cobra brands, just all kinds of different, uh, energy drinks, venom energy drinks. King Cobra beer. This is a it's a pretty rattlesnake. It's got the rattlesnake skin on. What is that? Uh, Stony Creek a beer. Believe it or not, that one came from Sweden. Did they it really? don't have rattlesnakes in Sweden, but they produce a rattlesnake beer. And a, a couple brought that, uh, knowing they were going to come to the rattlesnake museum. They brought that along and and uh, presented it to us when they arrived here at the museum. So every one of these bottles has a great story behind it. We could do a whole podcast on just reptile labels and, and named beers. Oh, and you got another. Oh, it uh, goes on. Wow. And on. Well, we might have to do that another time. Okay. So that we're not here till 3 o'clock in the morning because you said something about you <laughs> I, wanted to. I'm out of here at 3 whether we're finished or not, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, these are some of the animals that... Um, we're not on exhibit until we closed down for COVID and we started bringing in uh, these enclosures and animals that had been off exhibit. This is a hybrid snake. Its parents were two different rattlesnake species, the eastern diamondback and the timber rattlesnake. He had never seen anybody but me until we opened him a month ago to the public again. Wow. And so how did, did this breeding happen naturally, or is it something no. that happened here? That was a captive breeding, uh, not here, but with a, with a uh, reptile breeder. Okay. Mm. Okay. Then you got an eastern diamondback. Yeah, this is uh, an eastern diamondback that's gaining in size to the first snake you saw coming through the okay. door. We have uh, mates for a lot of the snakes off exhibit, 
And we have future exhibit animals also off exhibit waiting for their place. Now, how many sun. snakes do you have off of exhibit? Lots. Lots. Lots, yeah. <laughs> Lots of different kinds besides just the rattlesnakes or? Mostly rattlesnakes. We have a few other uh, things. Some of the big pythons we don't have on, on exhibit right now. You've got, you've got some big pythons then. Uh, reticulated pythons and Burmese pythons in particular. We do have some of the ball pythons on, on exhibit. And how much does it cost you to feed all of these snakes? Lots. Same number. A lot. lot. Yeah. That um, had to have really hurt when you didn't have any tourism at all coming through here for the past it year. It did, but I'll mention that there were a, a few locals that knew we might be uh, experiencing, experiencing some troubles because uh, of having been closed down. And so we had some donations that helped with the the feeding of the animals. And where do you get yep. your rats from? Just a local pet store no. uh, that, that freezes them? Or, or they come in in shipping containers? Or Yeah, there, there are some businesses around the country that do nothing but produce uh, mice and rats for the zoo business. Oh, uh, It's not only snakes that eat mice and rats. It's some of the crocodilians, some of the turtles, right. birds of prey, some of the large cats. Um, and it goes on and on. That's, okay. That's a big business. I, I never even realized that, mm-hmm. that, that, was, that that would be a business. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to become a rat breeder. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd be best off if you didn't have a sense of smell. Right. <laughs> wow. Okay, we've got the... You're going to have to pronounce that one. Serbat Sur- Mountain Rattlesnake. I didn't know if that was a hard C or a soft C. Right. And uh, that is a rattlesnake in limbo right now as far as naming uh, and uh, DNA studies being done. It uh, may be the newest species of rattlesnake Really, northwestern Arizona. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know they existed. They knew they existed, but they thought they were part of a population of, of Arizona black rattlesnakes. Okay. Yeah. And then we got a real pretty white one here. He must be the snow snake I've always heard about. Yeah, right. No, not quite. <laughs> that, uh, that's a female, and it is our oldest snake right now. She's about 30 years old. It's a northwestern neotropical rattlesnake. Again, if you look at the range map, you can see that they're from southern, southwestern Mexico. Okay. And why do they blend in with the sands or something? Is that why they're so white, or are they just that obvious? She's got a color aberration. They're not normally that color. Uh, We used to have her brother on exhibit. He was what I described as a gray-green color with black markings, where she is uh, a very pale yellow with a pale tan marking uh, repeated down her back. They were both pretty snakes. She outlived him, but uh, we can't expect her to be here too much longer. That's pushing the limit of uh, the age of a captive rattlesnake. In the wild, the same snake wouldn't have lived one year. Uh, oh, just that because snake it was so have, obvious. would have been spotted and killed right. by a predator. And most of these snakes, wild, wild rattlesnakes, are food for so many different species of animal uh, that most don't live that first year. Really? I'd say at least nine out of ten are killed. And, and what, what eats them? I, I know that I've seen birds of prey, but how, how come they don't 
kill the birds of prey with uh, uh, birds of prey are, are faster and more agile than a baby snake uh, baby snakes are defensive they have to be but usually they, they don't land a strike because these well uh, I've seen some adult... of those birds carrying ones that are a foot and a half two foot yeah. long oh yeah yeah but the bigger they get uh, the better chance they have of protecting themselves but uh, as young snakes they don't do so well and do they kill a lot of birds of prey uh, that are preying on a snake that size? Or, or are their legs tight enough that the fangs don't penetrate? Or Well, bird of prey is less likely to take on a big rattlesnake. They, they know better. Okay. But there are animals like badgers that will go head on into a, a full-grown rattlesnake, take strikes to, to the top of their head without any effect. Uh, they can't penetrate the fur and, and hide. And they wear the snake out and then go in for the kill. Really? But other animals that eat uh, rattlesnakes would be skunks, foxes, coyotes, even bears. Wow. If they need food, they'll, they'll take a it rattlesnake. It seems like a pretty, risky, a pretty risky attempt there. Yeah, but e- even uh, small animals uh, taking a bite from a rattlesnake usually do pretty well. Do they? Uh, not so much with the rodents. Uh, mice and rats are our food for so many of these snakes, and they're small enough that the venom overcomes. What about secondary infections? I've always heard that almost the most dangerous part of a snake bite is the after effects, the infection, the... No. Not really? Not so, no. Wow. Uh, You would be more apt to have an infection from a cat bite. Really? Oh, yeah. A lot of people are bitten by their pet snakes without any adverse effects. I never would have thought that. I always thought that it would have been highly infectious. Just the Even a dry bite would, would get you because of infection. Yeah, usually not. That's, that's good to know. Aren't you glad you came in today? Hey, I am really glad I came in today. <laughs> okay. I am learning, well, and, and a lot of misconceptions. You're, you're just blowing out the door here. There are a lot. We even have a poster in the previous room. We didn't look at that, but it's got the 24 most common, we call them old wives' tales or oh, urban myths. Okay. They answer uh, correctly. Uh, some some of these misconceptions. And I've only talked about, what, 20 of them so far, so I've got four uh, more to go. <laughs> we, we've talked about maybe four of them, so there's a, a long ways okay. to go. Okay. Uh, this may be the most dangerous of all of the rattlesnakes. This is a South American species, either known as the South American rattlesnake or the Bra- Brazilian rattlesnake. Its venom is, is far more toxic than, say, our Western diamondbacks. Wow. Okay. You would be in, in more serious trouble. Then we got a bite. midget faded rattlesnake, and he's got his skin shed in he there. He just shed today. Uh, Did he? Some of our visitors got to watch that. You, you can see in his range map, they're found in western Colorado, and most of their range is in eastern Utah. Okay, and they even touch a little bit into Wyoming. Oh, that's right. You're from Wyoming. That's... So- if you're in that part of Wyoming, you could see that snake. Okay. And he doesn't appear to be a real big one either. No, he's about half grown. He'll get a little bit bigger, but he's not a big rattlesnake species. Okay. And then we got your Arizona black. You just touched on him a little bit ago. Right, right. Uh, you saw a young version of this snake in the last room uh, with a, a stronger, more vivid pattern. This is a, a full-grown who's almost entirely black with... Little uh, band, banding, the uh, 
outlines okay. of uh, a light yellow. The most next one's the most common rattlesnake in this country. Its range covers a good part of the uh, central and western part of the country. Even up into Canada. Even into Canada, down into Mexico. Wow, he's got quite the range. Yeah. And this is what we what we're most familiar with where that, I'm from is the prairie rattler. Right, right. And they don't usually get very big. Uh, usually not. Like I, I I saw one one time that was about three foot six. That's and that's supposedly very large. just about very large. Mm. Two to two and a half feet is more typical. And they're variable in pattern. Uh we're gonna be putting another prairie rattlesnake on exhibit. It doesn't look anything like this if you saw them side by side. But really, uh, most rattlesnakes are variable, and um, unless you know your stuff, you might not recognize some examples of some species as that species. Okay, and and I also noticed that you only have one of each snake in each one of these pens. Right. If you put two of them in there, are they prone to fight? Are they territorial with each other? They won't fight. They uh, they may mate if, okay. if you've got opposite sexes. But uh, one big reason that we keep one, they're solitary animals to begin with in okay. the wild. Unless it's breeding time, they're, they're usually on their own. But uh, here, if we had two snakes in one enclosure... We'd have to separate them for feeding. Okay. They're not bright animals. We, we could throw two mice in with two snakes, and they would invariably go for the same mouse. So okay. we always would have to separate them. Okay. This way uh, keeps it keeps it simple. Okay. Here's the only cousin to the prairie rattlesnake, the Hopi rattlesnake. Okay. It's got a small range. And again, it, it covers, range. covers a lot of the same it's range, though. Ju it's just the blue. Oh, just the blue. Okay. So you see the prairie rattlesnake right, okay. and the Hopi rattlesnake. And that's just northern Arizona. Pretty much the right. Hopi reservation up there. That area. Mm -hmm. Okay. Huh. And now, do these snakes breed uh, together in the wild to create hybrids, or is that not a very common thing? If their ranges overlap, it's not so uncommon. You, okay. you might see hybrids. Yep, yep. Okay. Now, uh, of course, an eastern diamondback and a western diamondback would never come in contact with one another, so a wild hybrid there would be out of the question. Well, what about a prairie with this uh, Hopi? That's a very good possibility. Okay. Along the, the part of their ranges that overlap. These are all what we would consider in this country to be pet snakes. They're wild snakes in Africa. These are the ball pythons, otherwise known as royal pythons. They're very uh, quiet snakes, tend not to bite. They're more constrictors, aren't they? They are constrictors. They're not uh, venomous. And by constrictor, you mean they wrap themselves <laughs> around the prey and just uh, squeeze until there's nothing left? Until the animal can't breathe, right? Wow. These ones here aren't the real big ones. You said you had some big ones that, that you don't have on display. Big species of python, like, like the Burmese python, yeah. These are all uh, different color patterns and colors of the, of the ball pythons, too. Over here on the far left, got a sidewinder rattlesnake atop, and right below it is the, the horned viper from the Middle East. That one from Egypt. They're on exhibit side by side uh, to show the similarities. 
of the two snakes from opposite sides of the planet. They're very much, very, they look very similar except for coloration. They're about the same size. They move across the ground with that side-winding uh, mechanism. They both have horns above their eyes, if you look and close. What's that, and what's that for? I was noticing well, that. Nobody knows for sure, but uh, there are all kinds of theories. Huh. They are cool-looking snakes. She is a bit nervous, and her father, who was on exhibit here for years, was the same way. She's a western diamondback, but she's got a, an abundance of the dark pigment known as melanin. So she looks almost entirely black. This snake is a western diamondback missing the melanin altogether. So, interesting. so some people would call that an albino. We call it amelanistic, missing the melanin. So those two snakes look nothing alike, and yet they are the same species. Wow. And so is that, a, is that a recessive gene thing, where like albinoism? Right, right. To uh, be an albino, both parents would have to contribute that, that gene. Wow. Up above, we've got the southern Pacific rattlesnake and the northern Pacific rattlesnake. And as you can guess, southern California all the way up. Northern Pacific uh, rattlesnake uh, would go all the way up into southern Canada, but... Uh, Eastern Washington and Oregon would have okay. that particular snake. Wow! And now I noticed that all of your all of your uh, containers, aquariums—they're not aquariums; they're terrariums, I guess. Uh, um, display cases all say "Do not tap." Mm-hmm. Okay, why do we not want to tap? Besides, we don't want to do it. Well, it, it's annoying. You, you can imagine uh, if you're in an enclosure like this. Uh, leading a, a peaceful life, and some little kid comes up and starts banging on what, in essence, is a drum you're living in, it can, uh, it can be threatening. Do the snakes strike at the glass sometimes when people are... No, but a, a rattlesnake uh, may start to rattle. There are a few rattlesnakes that uh, wouldn't need so much uh, encouragement. Uh, we have little signs on those enclosures letting people know that if they're See, watching the, the snake rattle to take a step back, that okay. you're, you're a threat to the snake right now. Okay. I just, I brought that up more for yeah. uh, just edification purposes for well, in case somebody's visiting, just to make sure that... As you can tell, we have to remind people over and over again. Yeah, like, every, like every case, do <laughs> not tap. Right. Please, please don't. It's just unfair to the animals. Yes. Same thing with, I think, big aquariums, well, all aquariums. You tap on that glass, I think it's pretty annoying to the fish, too. Yeah. It's just not a polite thing to do. No, no, no. And I've heard of people throwing rocks at animals in zoos. It's pretty ridiculous that people would act that way towards yes. animals. Right. Yeah. Okay, now we got some tarantulas. Right. This is the male and female of the species you'd find here in the southwest, uh, known as the blonde tarantula because the female is uh, more of a blonde color, the male a dark brown color. Uh, usually you don't see the two side by side, you see one or the other, but we thought we'd show the difference uh, in, in the sexes in this particular spider. And they live underground, right? Yeah, um, female digs a burrow and pretty much stays down there. There are times of year, year when the male comes out looking for the females, and you might see hundreds of those really uh, after a rain. 
Yeah. And they're again, are they venomous? They're venomous, right? They're venomous mildly, uh, and they tend not to bite. Uh, hell or treated gently, they'll crawl up under your hand uh, with no no threat of of envenomation of bite. What do they eat? Uh, they'll eat a lot of different things, but in general, it's insects like grasshoppers and stuff. Right, right. Okay. Then we come on over here. Okay, here, here we do have another hybrid. This is a, a Western Diamondback Prairie Rattlesnake hybrid, and it it is a naturally occurring hybrid. This one was a wild caught snake. It's actually a, a rescue from a, a landfill. We were called out there to pick up a snake that was um, endangering the people working there and in danger of being buried alive. So okay. We uh, we brought it back here, realized it was a hybrid, and, and we tell the story. The next enclosure is another Western Diamondback that doesn't look like a Western Diamondback because it's missing the pattern. Yeah. It's uh, missing the diamond pattern, and uh, and this is naturally occur- occurring too. Not really? common, but it does happen. Okay. And to the right is a normal-looking, an average-looking Western Diamondback rattlesnake. Uh, from an unusual area, it's a Kansas specimen of the Western Diamondback. If you look at that range map and see, where oh, there's just a little tiny that, that range just in southern Kansas. Yep. Wow. In fact, it's just kind of a little a little area that comes from uh, halfway up Oklahoma into that one little area, of Kansas. Yeah. Wow. That was also a donation from a university in Kansas. When they finished uh, their study, they needed a home, and because of its location, we thought that was interesting. Okay. Uh, this is the Great Basin Rattlesnake from the Great Basin part of the country. A lot of that is in Nevada. Okay. Uh, this is a- another hybrid, the Mojave Rattlesnake Prairie Rattlesnake Hybrid. Oh, there he is. I was going to say, I think maybe you need to look around on your floor. He might be there. <laughs> but yeah, I found him. He's in the cage. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, we take inventory every day at the beginning and end of the day. <laughs> that's good. Never, never lost an animal. This is an interesting snake from Mexico, the Mexican West Coast rattlesnake or green rattlesnake. And uh, if any any rattlesnake out there uh could be bigger than that eastern diamond back it would be this snake and how big this, do those get this is a very young snake uh easily over seven feet really so we're this snake at uh, about three feet is only about a year old wow uh, he's he's got a long ways to go and what about this one here in the bottom that is a blacktail rattlesnake we have three blacktail rattlesnakes on exhibit here at the museum one from Arizona, one from New, New Mexico, and one from Texas to show the, the uh, colors of specimens from, from different parts of their range. Okay. Yeah. This is the same snake from Texas right here. Okay. This is New Mexico. You saw Arizona in the other room. Right. And these ones here, their tails are a little bit more concealed to where you can't see how black the tails are. Yeah, they're kind of sitting on them, coiled up around them. Uh, this is a fairly new exhibit. Uh, we're talking here about uh, bees and bee venom and the danger of bee stings versus the 
the danger of a rattlesnake bite. And it turns out, if you check this out closely, that more people are hospitalized and more people die as the result of bee stings. Really? Far, far more. Is that just because there's a lot more bees? And a lot of people have bad reactions to, the, to those stings. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I think we've just, have we just about gone through and looked well, at everybody? We skipped a lot along the way. Here's a little bit about the, um, the use of, of reptiles in Egyptian culture. Okay. Old Egyptian. Uh, some things we don't have out on exhibit. Uh, the crocodile was, was used heavily in, uh, in art. And, and, and do you have a crocodile here, like in storage? We don't. We have uh, croc- <laughs> crocodile skulls on exhibit. Okay, yeah, I saw those uh, when we first came in. Yeah, crocodiles and alligators don't make good captives in the Southwest. We, uh, the, the swamps are far and few between. We right. don't have the water necessary for a lot of those animals. But we do have the skulls so people can see how serious uh, that set of teeth is. Right. Yeah. Here's a, something that catches a lot of people's eye. It's a reproduction oh. of an old lamp uh, that's almost six feet tall. It's, it's a floor lamp, mm-hmm. and it's got a, a snake going all the way on up for the, for the post that holds the lamp on top. Right, and that's and supposed then, to be a king cobra, Okay, and it's holding the globe atop. Wow, that um, is a really cool lamp. It's, it's a great lamp. This is a reproduction, and even the reproduction is not in, inexpensive, but the original, I heard, was uh, last sold for half a million dollars. <sighs> wow. Wow. Okay. For a lamp. Up here on the left is the uh, true-false quiz. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah, we, we've covered some of that. We have covered some of that. <clears throat> but, you know, I'd like to get a little bit more into... Uh, Maybe some myths or truths about the bites themselves. Mm -hmm. You said for the most part, if somebody got bit, if they get to the doctor, they're going to be okay. Right. Uh, Very few people actually die of snake bites. What happens if you are out uh, a long ways away? And I know that you can see the old snake bite kits. And from what I understand, it's not proper to go ahead and make an incision with a knife and try to suck the venom out. Right. Uh, that, that's a big falsity, right? Old methods of snake bite treatment, what you do for yourself in the field, um, have almost all been thrown out the, the window. The cross-cutting like you're talking, cut and suck method. Uh, tourniquets uh, shouldn't be used unless you have uh, education behind that. Um, ice baths, the people used to use, put your arm in a bath of ice, not to be done. Okay, now uh, why is that? I hadn't heard that one dispelled yet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, after a snake bite, you want that venom to move away from the, the bite site, but slowly. Okay. So they tell you don't run around in circle and get your, your blood pumping. Um, but you want it to move away slowly. If you put your arm in a, a... Now, the reason for that is so it's causing tissue damage. And if you restrict um, blood flow, you're keeping that venom in in a remote part of your body and it's causing damage okay Uh, if you put your arm into an ice bath same thing it's going to slow down blood flow and the venom's going to stay where where it started okay Mm -hmm. so i'm hiking i'm 20 miles out away from the truck 
and or five miles out away from the truck, I get bit by a snake. Mm-hmm. Best thing to do. Well, I'll start by saying I always recommend people not hike by themselves. Most people do have someone else along. If the worst happens, you're bitten by a snake, and it's severe enough that you can't walk, your partner can go for help. Or nowadays, so many people have cell phones, and if you're within uh, reach of a tower, you can call for help, and they can fly you out of just about anywhere you might get to. Okay, let's worst case scenario this though. Okay, yeah, no cell phone service. No cell phone service. Like or 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 even if you have okay, you're out there with somebody else but they're not strong enough let's say to help you out to carry you out to carry you out or to do something like that uh they, and they you don't want to run, of course. No, 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 no. Uh, if you can't walk, sit down, relax, let your hiking partner go out and get help. You're going to be okay. Even if you never get uh, tri- um, get to a hospital and have it taken care of, uh, you're probably going to survive. The uh, possibility of losing a finger goes up uh, with time because it is causing uh, tissue damage. That's if you're bit on the finger. If you're bitten on the finger. What happens is, if you're bitten on the ankle? Um, same, same sort of thing. Um, you could have tissue damage in, in the area of the bite. But uh, death rate, even without treatment ever, is pretty low. It's less than 5% easily. Okay. And, uh, but, okay, so your partner goes out and gets help. Um, nowadays, with GPS, you should know where you are. Right. Uh, and they can and come and pick you up. Um, in the olden days, it wasn't so easy to get treatment like that. Uh, not the death rate from rattlesnake bites was ever you know, through the ceiling, but it, it was more common a hundred years ago. And it is more common to get bit on the hands and, and that type of stuff than yeah. what it is the legs, correct? Well, um, kids are often bitten on the legs because they're not paying attention to where they step. Adults are probably more commonly bitten on the hands and arms because they're messing with a snake that they shouldn't be. Or picking up something where a snake's underneath or Could something. Be. Yeah, yeah, people are bitten when they're you know, moving logs off their wood pile. They're not out in the boonies. They're just uh, in their backyard. Right. Uh, we get a lot of phone calls from people that find find rattlesnakes in their yard. Around here, that's outside of the city or on the very fringe of the city in some areas. But most of our calls are from, um, you know, 20, 30 minutes out of town where people are, are living uh, in areas where the snakes can move freely between houses because they're spaced so far apart. Okay. And a lot of those people have wood piles, or they, they're doing gardening. They don't see the snake. Okay. And that's what true. about the other one that I've heard, and I don't know if that's true, electric, DC, electric shock, high voltage, taser, taser to the bite, or uh, as, I, as I've often thought, strapping your fo- leg to the coil of your car and turning the thing over till you lit up like a Christmas tree. Well, I'm sure you can tell by the grin across my face that that's a bunch of baloney. It doesn't but, uh, neutralize the it, venom. It does not. Dang, I would have just had a whole lot of shock there. <laughs> well, I, I actually know of people that have uh, hooked, hooked their friends up to the car coil or something. Uh, knowing better, but they just wanted to see them uh, <laughs> in, a, in, in additional pain okay. of electricity. 
But no, that doesn't it doesn't do the trick. Okay, I, I just heard it. No, it's common. Uh, you know, here we've got twenty four trues and false falses, and they all cover subject matters that come up here all the time. Um, like uh, number two, there a rattlesnake can mate with a bull snake. People, a lot of people think that's possible, creating a, a venomous bull snake. No rattle, but okay. it's venomous, and it's not true. Okay. They are, are not closely related. Now, I do want to see number five. I want you to talk about that, because that was on my list of things to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah. It says, true or false, rattlesnakes are born alive, not hatched from eggs. And it is true. It is true. Uh, some snakes are born, born living, uh, where a majority, 70% of snakes, are hatched from eggs. Um, live bears include a lot of the vipers, pit vipers, like rattlesnakes, copperheads, water moccasins, um, boas, garter snakes. A lot of the egg layers would include cobras, uh, a lot of the non-venomous snakes, bull snakes, corn snakes, king snakes, uh, pythons okay. are all egg layers. So about 70% of the snakes are egg layers. 30% live bears. Very and what, what do they... Okay, I'm sure that they don't sit on their eggs like a chicken. Uh, some do. Do they? Uh-huh. And, yeah. and they, they... Well, they don't have any body heat because they're a cold-blooded animal. They twitch. Um, you take a, a big python. It'll, she'll wrap her body around a pile of eggs and twitch and actually create some, some heat in that way. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then she's protecting her eggs also. I wouldn't want to get too close to a, a big python mother's uh, pile of eggs. I would imagine she not. Will protect them. Wow, this is just this is just too cool. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks. Uh, this goes on and on. <clears throat> People stand and they'll read this entire thing because it is. <clears throat> excuse me, it's yeah. interesting for a lot of people because they've heard it another way along the way. Like baby rattlesnakes are more dangerous than adult rattlesnakes. Not true. Not true. No. Okay. I, I've heard that one my whole life. Yep. And I've also heard the one about the lady that uh, put on her coat and fell over dead because there was a whole nest of rattlesnakes in her coat back in the old days. Okay. Uh, you haven't ever heard that one, I'm sure. No, I've heard uh, <laughs> versions of the same story. I think the funniest one I ever heard was a, a cowboy that was bitten by a rattlesnake through his boot. Okay. Died from the bite, which is already unlikely. But his boots were given to his son after the funeral. And the son put the, the boots on, and that fang was still lodged in the boot, stabbed him in the leg, and he died from the bite. After his funeral, the boots <laughs> were given to the grandson, and he put the boots on and died from the same rattlesnake fang. Wow. All a uh, whole bunch of hoo-ha. Yeah. Not, not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> the stories go on. I hear stories. I wish I had started taping these like like you're doing this uh, years ago. It would make a great book. But I'm uh, sure. Some of the stories are, I mean, they're not even reasonable, some of them. One man uh, talked about chopping the snake in half. The two halves rejoined and the snake sl sl slithered off. Really? And uh, I just wonder what he was drinking at the time. Okay, now what about the story about chopping the, the rattlesnake's head off, and then later that night the rattlesnake bites you and, and 
I mean, doesn't come looking for you. Of course, he doesn't have any way to motivate, right, but right. you go back on out and pick up the head or whatever and get bit. That is a possibility, correct? That is absolutely possible, and a lot of people have been bitten that way. Uh, they'll sever the head of a snake and think they can take the head home as a souvenir, souvenir of, of the experience, and that snake, for up to half an hour, maybe more, can turn and bite. And you can imagine that's a stressed out snake and you're going to receive a, an envenomation. And well, and the venom sacs inside their head, correct? Right. Back of the... Right, the yeah. There, so, yeah. So that venom's still possible. And the venom's still with that snake and the fangs. And uh, I know of a gentleman who knew, knew better and uh, lost a thumb after a bite in just that way. Really? Yeah. So don't mess with even a, a dead rattlesnake. Uh, well, how long does it take them to die? I, I, I'm not, I shouldn't admit this here. I've killed a rattlesnake or two in my time. Get out. And, <laughs> Get out. And, and it seems like they slither and, and move for hours afterwards. Yeah. Well, I don't know about hours, but half an hour is not, not unusual. They, they can still respond to, to a touch. Wow, yeah, that is just amazing. And and are, does it take that long for their brain to die, or are they dead and that's just nerves? You know, I I, I couldn't tell you for sure how how the nervous system uh, continues on beyond beyond what we call death, but uh, it, it certainly does. Okay. For for a while. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has just been so absolutely. Phenomenal, Bob. I, I've loved this museum. I, I well, like I said, I was here five or six years ago and was totally fascinated by it. And we were on our way home, and I said, "Let's go to Albuquerque if Bob will do this with us." So, and I, I called up Bob and I says, "Hey, uh, we look for unusual museums and things that I that I find interesting. You know, like maybe a rattlesnake museum." And he says, "Hey, how about that? I think I know a guy with a rattlesnake museum. Come on over." Yeah. So this has been absolutely great. Uh, you have a website. We do. Uh, it's about to be changed. Our website is antiquated. We don't even have access to it. A lot of the information is current. Some is n not, including uh, ours now that we're out of COVID. Some of the prices have changed. Uh, ours are up to date on Google and, and Facebook. Uh, we have two Facebook pages. What are the Facebook pages? One is under just Rattlesnake Museum. Okay. The other under our full name, American International Rattlesnake Museum. Okay. And they're watched over by uh, two people in one case, one in the other. And so the information could be different. The photos uh, available there are going to be different. Okay. Uh, but uh, there's good information out there. Well, I know if you Google Rattlesnake Museum in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you can, you can get a web page of some sort. It has your hours listed. Right. Uh, and it does have the, the, the after COVID hours listed. Okay. And I'm sure that those are going to be changing as time goes on. It's going to take a couple, well, probably a month and a half or, or so before this thing actually airs. Uh, but uh, so by the time this airs, your hours may be all the way back to up and running, we can hope. Right. We're three days a week right now. We hope to be at six days a week by summer. And what's the cost to get in here? 
Uh, right now it is $4.95 for kids, uh, $6.95 for adults, and $5.95 for seniors, military, students. These would be students 13 years old to 113 years old, or teachers with ID. Okay. We, we offer a, a special price for, for teachers, too. That is way too reasonable. I used to be a teacher, so I definitely have a soft, <laughs> soft spot there. Yeah, that's that's very reasonable admission fees. And you have a very nice gift shop where you can buy all kinds of cool things, from bumper stickers to uh, live rattlesnake transport uh, bumper stickers and uh, just t-shirts, ball caps, magnets, anything. snake bracelets. Uh, just all, just about anything snake oriented. I think you've probably got out but, there. But nothing made from snake parts. No, I, no, no. That. Right? Yeah. Right. No. Uh, yeah. Exactly. You come here, in here looking for a taxidermied snake, you're going to be let down. Well, this this museum is just absolutely fascinating. If anybody is ever in the Albuquerque area, please come by and see the Rattlesnake Museum. You will not be disappointed, even if you don't like snakes. You may come out of here with a whole different attitude about snakes, and hopefully we've dispelled some of the myths and some of the scary things that, uh, that people are used to thinking about when it comes to snakes. That's, that's the plan. That's the plan. Mm -hmm. and, and one more thing that I just, I, I've been meaning to ask kind of all the way through mm -hmm. is what happens, what, what are you looking for in the way of snakes? Are you looking for the 10-foot rattler? Are you looking for the 5-foot prairie rattler? Is there certain things that, that you are in particular looking for? Uh, I'm not actively looking for any, any particular snakes. I, do, I should mention I've got visitors that tell me about their 10- and 12-foot rattlesnake sightings. And anymore I smile and say, wow, that is a world record. Because the world record is about 8 feet. Okay. And as far as I know, there's only been one rattlesnake ever measured at eight feet. Uh, they just don't get that big. Okay. Uh, six feet for a western diamondback or eastern diamondback is considered a monstrosity. That is just huge. Okay. Yeah. So if you tell me about a 10-foot snake, I'll smile and I'll nod, but I'm thinking, you're, uh, <clears throat> you don't know what you're talking about. But if he shows up with one, you'd be highly interested. I'd love to see that, yeah. I'd love okay. To see it. Uh, if you measure a rattlesnake skin that's hanging on the wall, and it measures it seven feet, the live snake was probably about five and a half feet. Okay. Off the snake, they do stretch, and that doesn't count. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I have seen, personally, I saw a seven and a half foot rattlesnake raised to that size in captivity, with regular meals throughout the year, and it uh, it was just awesome. It was unbelievably awesome to to somebody like me. Right. Uh, that, that's just so big. But so there isn't really anything that you're actively searching for. No, but okay. uh, if someone can prove to me that they have a seven or eight foot rattlesnake, I'd sure like to see that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'd be that. that I, I hope that you get to see it. <laughs> I hope I don't get to see it unless unless you've already seen it. But uh, yeah, okay. No, that would be that'd be pretty exciting. I will say that I'm always looking for 
any reptile-related art, artifacts, um, things of interest to the general public that I can put on an exhibit at the museum. Okay. Because people listening to this might have an interest in, in sewing. Uh, we've got a quilt collection with traditional quilt designs named for snakes, like Diamondback and uh, Snake Trail is an old quilt pattern. Uh, medical items, Native American, uh, pop culture things, uh, all forms of art, uh, from neon art to, to uh, you know, fine oil paintings. These are the kind of things we're looking for. Things that uh, make our subject matter, uh, rattlesnakes and reptiles, uh, more interesting for the, the general public. We, we skipped by a, a watercolor done by uh, John Audubon. One oh. of the four snakes that he ever did, but he did do one rattlesnake. And it's quite impressive. And for people that know who John Audubon was and have a, an appreciation for that kind of art, they're they're in awe standing at that painting. And we, wow. We passed by it, unfortunately. We, we were looking at other, other things. Well, we'll have to go back and take a look. Exactly. Anyway, I so appreciate your time. Mm. So appreciate you taking us through. And I always finish out my podcast by saying the world is full of wonder. People need to get out and explore. Come see stuff like this. It's way too cool to pass. And have an absolutely wonder-filled day. All the roll and go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Bets out along the topsail yard, that's where you're bound to go, Johnny. Way, hey, hey, all the roll and go. It's out along the topsail yard, take the topsail yard. I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Oh, where am I to go? Hey, Johnny, where am I to go? Johnny, way, hey, hey. All the road and go, where am I to go? Hey, Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Out along the royal yard, that's where you're bound to go, Johnny. Way, hey, hey, all the roll and go. It's out along the royal yard, the royal forest door. I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Oh, where am I to go, hey, Johnny? Where am I to go, Johnny? Way, hey, hey, all the roll and go. Where am I to go, hey, Johnny? Where am I to go? I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? You're bound away, our out Cape Horn, that's where you're bound to go. Johnny, way, hey, hey, all the roll and go. You're bound away, our out Cape Horn, amongst the ice and snow. Where I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Oh, where am I to go? Johnny, where am I to go? Johnny, way, hey, hey, all the road and go. Where am I to go? Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Oh, where am I to go? Johnny, where am I to go? Johnny.
Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad.